0: You know, it's been the theme, I guess, of our conversation is is be curious, ask the questions. You know, if you're an employer and you're trying to figure out, you know, what it takes to bring someone on board, what it takes to keep someone, ask them, ask the questions. And if you are, you know, a job seeker and you're not sure if this is the role for you or the company for you or where you want to apply, ask the questions, not just of the employer, but of other people that work there, you know, of other people in the community. We have all sorts of resources like Glassdoor and everything else that's out there, you know, really do some research. So I'd say continue to be curious and from that curiosity, listen and, and, and learn.
1: We are looking forward our way from Studio C in the 511 Studios, just south of downtown Columbus. Hi, this is Brett. Today, we are going to address the ongoing issue of finding skilled workforce in Central Ohio. Where are those applicants? And how are employers going to meet their workforce needs?
2: You know, Brett, we've got all these new industries coming into central Ohio, but many of the current employers are having difficulty finding job ready individuals. Well, our guest has extensive experience solving workforce needs in our region, and she is going to share her expertise and insights. We need to welcome Kelly Fuller. Vice President of Talent and Workforce Development for the Columbus Chamber of Commerce. Hi,
0: Kelly. Thank Hi. you. Of course. So good to see both of yes. you. I
2: know. we, Unma-
1: we have way too, Unmasked.
2: Unmasked, right. Yes. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yes. Kelly, Kelly's been hanging in there with us through the last uh, two and a half years mm-hmm. and um, always comes and gives us incredible information and oh. advice. So thank you so much oh, for coming course. to see us. So, okay. We're going to get started. Even though you have been on our prior podcasts, please provide our listeners with a quick overview of your background and responsibilities for the chamber.
0: Sure. So again, good to see both of you and and nice to be here this afternoon. So my role at the Chamber in Workforce and Talent really is helping to connect our our members, our Chamber members, with talent pipelines, and also thinking about the entire life cycle of that employer-employee relationship, whether it's finding people once you've found them, how do you keep them, and how do you upskill them, and all those things. So kind of in a nutshell, that's my current role at the Chamber. Prior to coming to the Chamber, four and a half years ago, I was with Eastland Fairfield Current Technical School, so my background prior to the chamber, was working um, at the Career Center with both high school and adult students. So I guess you could say I've probably been in the workforce space pretty much most of my career. Um, prior to to that, I was in um, learning and development for many years. So it's, it's really, my career has been pretty much focused on on the people side of the of the business,
2: so, and you've not only got the educational, but you were with private industry too.
0: I was. I've I've been around a long time. <laughs> so, As we all have.
1: <laughs> I think she didn't want to go into that. <laughs> no, sorry. No, 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 no. No,
0: that's okay. Uh, yeah, I actually had the great pleasure of um, being a, a Donner and what a Donner is is um, someone who was hired in at Discover Card when they launched the product. So oh, wow. way back in the mid '80s, when Discover Card actually came on to the scene I I worked with them for 10 years so yeah I I
1: used Dawn
0: their their tagline originally was it's the Dawn of Discover so we the people that were there that first year call ourselves Dawners so, wow! Yeah. When, when Brett gives you that that look, that means that was you know before his time. Okay. Are you
1: kidding? I was one of the first to get a Discover card. I've been a yeah. member since eighty eight. Thank Interesting. you. Yeah. You know, so when I call with a problem, they don't mess with me. There they, you go. They look at how long I've been with them. It's like. Like, sure we'll wipe the, you, that's okay you paid late so, you know I mean yeah, it happens like yeah. we'll wipe that off no problem. Very good. I know there's mileage to that I know there is I, I, think I think you're like right. a, oh probably
2: gosh. so and and that's my you know my disadvantage because I've never had a discover cart So see I've learned something today already. Same. We haven't Same. even started <laughs> but but the reason I, I brought that up Kelly is it I think it's important from my time in at Ohio State, I had been in private industry before I started graduate school. So it really does make a difference when you're talking to an employer about their employee
0: needs when you could say, I understand, I was there. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think, you know, as long as I can remember um, from my days in education and my current role, we talk about that gap, that chasm that's between the the education world and, and the business world, whether that education space is high school or college and university, you know, each is each of those entities want what's best for those that they serve, the students and their and their businesses. But sometimes what we think that we're doing in the education space and preparing people isn't necessarily what the business world is looking for. So absolutely, Carol, you're right. I think being able to say, I understand from a business perspective, um, you know, what's what you're looking for and then to be able to turn to the other side to the schools and educational entities and say, you know, you really need to talk. You have to have these conversations with businesses. The credential or certificate that you think is amazing may not hold water or have any value for the business right. community. Or
2: by the time you develop it, the business community has gone past it and needs something else. Definitely, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, currently Central Ohio employers have had great difficulty finding and retaining skilled workers for their businesses let's review where we are. I mean, how have the last few years affected the hiring and retention processes?
0: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. You know, um, prior to the pandemic, we were sitting at historically low unemployment and then the pandemic happens. Overnight. uh, Right, exactly. Overnight, you know, we're suddenly, you know, not just tasked with finding people, but how do we, you know, move to remote and hybrid and all the things that we've, we've been experiencing. So we continue to see, challenges in that space for businesses and finding people. Um, We're we're encouraging people to look at underutilized talent pipelines. So when we think about uh, those who maybe English is a second language, our refugee and immigrant population, Columbus has close to 200,000 foreign born people in the MSA. We also are encouraging those emerging talent pipelines, which could be not just high school and university, but let's look at some adult learners that are getting their GED. Or they just got their welding certificate, you know, connecting to those what we call what we refer to as Ohio Technical Centers (OTCs) or adult education here in in the state. We also are, you know, encouraging our businesses to think about their policies when it comes to restored citizens. One in five Ohio adults has a background, whether that's a felony or misdemeanor. You know, how can we how can we learn more about you know changing our policies so that we can bring those folks on board once they've satisfied their debts to society? older, more mature workers. You know, let's tap into a population of folks who are looking for either full part-time or project-based opportunities. So I think for the business community, to we, we can talk about how we're struggling with this. And believe me, they talk about it. I'm in those conversations. But what can you do differently? Who can you talk to that you're not currently talking to that might help solve some of those?
1: i have to work a little harder. Maybe. And make some changes. Right. Exactly.
2: You know, we could do a whole podcast on restored citizens. Mm -hmm. Um, There are so many issues and problems. And a lot of that came from early legislation on um, those who have felonies being literally completely cut out of a lot of industries. Um, When an employer says that, I agree. I completely understand the issues. But they need to let legislators know. You know if 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 they're not a banking institution, if they're not if if the positions have nothing to do with money, um why can't some of the felony convictions
0: be taken out of the uh, restrictive pool? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. And I and here's some good news. You mentioned banking, Carol. Um JP Morgan Chase has started a program where they're hiring people who have mm-hmm. background issues. So even the banking industry, which has traditionally been kind of hands-off, and so many other industries, they're not alone. They're they're really rethinking, you know, what what should our hiring practices look like and what do we kind of owe to the community in order to bring people back in? Um, we it's the rising tides rising tide lifts all boats, but at the same time, you have critical roles to fill. You mm-hmm. know, there's a business case for this. it's it's the right thing to do. It also makes good sense from a business standpoint. Well the one thing that employ when employers had enough applicants, they could
2: ignore a lot of the issues. They now have don't have enough applicants, and they've been creative on how to deal with their their employees and where they work. So yeah. therefore, now they know they can do some new scenarios to incorporate mm-hmm. individuals who are in different populations and still get them into the workforce, but sort of maneuver around what the issues were in the past.
0: Absolutely. And there are some... Some very tactical things that employers can can utilize as well, specifically when we're talking about the restored citizens, the Certificate for Qualification of Employment, it's actually a document that an individual who has a background goes back to the Court of Common Pleas in the county where they reside. They go through a very lengthy vetting process that actually results in a document they can present to a potential employer that then will hold that employer harmless should that person reoffend. Now this has been around for about ten years. ODRC oversees this, and in the ten years that the state of Ohio has had this, there's something like seventeen hundred people who've achieved that CQE, and only about sixty-five of those have been revoked because someone reoffended. So Isn't that amazing. It's, it's it's a it's it's a tried and true you know way of you know ensuring that someone is coming into the workplace and that you and your you as an employer and your team will feel confident and safe and protected. Right, right. Um,
2: So it seems that applicant skill levels are the predominant concern um, that employers are wrestling with. What factors, we've talked a little bit, pandemic was huge. What are the other kind of factors contributing to this issue?
0: Yeah. So skill gaps, right? I mean, we've had those conversations, I think, in both academic world and and the business community for for decades about the skill gaps. So I'll talk about the uh, effect of the pandemic here very quickly. When you think about the trades, skilled trades, for example, and I'll use welding, um, gosh, you know, auto mechanic, those types of jobs. When our education system in that career tech ed space during the height of the pandemic went into, you know, moving out of the school. There's some things I can do remotely sitting at home on my laptop. Changing a tire in front of my instructor is not one of them. Right. Or in the medical programs like the medical assisting, drawing blood is not something I can do remotely. So when you think about the the couple years that we've lost in that career tech ed space in both high school and adult worlds. Um, for the last couple of years, we've had a problem with getting people actually hand, hands-on experience. Now, that's one factor that's been impacted with the pandemic. Prior to that, I think we all know that it was we were having trouble getting people into skilled trades and getting people into continuing education period, whether that's a... Um, you know, something very specific to a role that they need. So I think part of it is we've, we've put such a focus on two and four-year college attainment that some of the skilled trades and certificates have fallen along the wayside. The other thing is, I think that going back to what we just said, sometimes for businesses being able to accurately describe what it is they want someone to be able to do, right? So when I say there's a skill gap, I can't find people that have that particular attribute or ability, it might be that I don't exactly know what that looks like either, right? So if there's not a credential or certificate that indicates, you know, I'm a CPA or whatever, it's just that there are some skills I want someone to be able to do, but maybe I'm not actually communicating those well. Right.
2: Right. And we'll we'll get into this, but it's job descriptions that are one of the the biggest issues that applicants have and employers sort of ignore.
0: Absolutely. Uh, job descriptions and job postings. You know, when you, uh, I, I work a lot with our business community to talk about, uh, let's let's take a look at your job posting. You know, you've told me you've had zero applicants or five applicants and it's been out there for six months. And when I see a job posting that has 37 things that someone needs to be able to do, and oh, by the way, here are the three things that if you do these, you'll get fired. I'm not going to apply for that. I mean, it's, that posting really should be more of a marketing tool. You know, mm-hmm. you're trying to attract people to come and uh, tell your story, be a storyteller in that space if you're an employer, you know, talk about who you are as a company and what you value. Um, skill gaps I can develop, you know, we can hopefully maybe figure out how to develop people. But if you're trying to get people in the door based on who you are as a company, really be able to tell your story about who you are and what you stand for. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Well, other family situations are critical, like need for childcare. Mm. Preferences to work from home now are the huge. Um, are just the rising costs of living translating that n- translating to the need for higher salaries? Uh, have these situations changed the processes of hiring?
0: I think they have, Brett. And a couple of things. Uh, I'll give a, a quick example. Um, you know, Columbus is an, uh, very blessed in the f- sense that we have a lot of supply chain and logistics providers here in the area. So if you look south of the city in the Rickenbacker space, you have a lot of distribution centers and warehouses. Most of the folks that are doing um, the pick and pack and moving the product from point A to point B are hourly employees, and they, um, you know, the, the salary is, is you know, probably towards the, lo- the lower level, though, to your point that a lot of those companies have have increased the salary. What we were seeing in the past and we continue to see in those that aren't effective is let's say I, I hire, um, excuse me, I interview someone for a role in the distribution center and that's on a Monday and they still haven't heard back in two weeks or they hear back, you know, eight days later that says, yes, you're going to get hired and here you have to go for, you know, a drug screen and all this other stuff and that has to be done in, in sequence what we're finding is people that are at that level of pay cannot afford to go without a paycheck for that long. And businesses that are able to shrink that 10 days, two weeks time between interview and offer Down to five, down to three. I heard an ad for Amazon the other day that you don't even have to come in for an interview; you just, you know, can show up. So those, and I'm not advocating that, by the way, but I'm just saying that those that have been able, it's doable, And and and, and shortening the span, shortening it, Mm -hmm. and not making those things like the background check and the drug test sequential. You know, put all that together, you know, so that because the folks that are in some of those roles really can't wait that long for a paycheck.
2: You're literally looking at somebody who could miss two, three, maybe four paychecks. Yes. If they're, if they are used to a weekly pay, they can't wait a month. There's rent to be paid and everything else. They they
0: can't. Absolutely. And you, (laughs) The tra- back to the transportation and childcare conversation, you know, transportation can be a barrier and can be expensive. And if they're having to pay for that, whether it's gasoline or the bus or whatever, and waiting on a paycheck. So uh, some of our businesses that are figuring this out um, are, are not seeing, you know, the, the negative effects that some of the others who haven't figured it out yet. They're getting people. And I, the other side benefit of that, I believe, is they're, whether it's intentional or it's a a byproduct, they're developing better cultures. When they're becoming more employee-centric about what Mm -hmm. does the employee need, their culture starts to improve. Mm.
2: Kelly, there is a constant need for evaluating costs of business. We understand employers have to live within what they are bringing in to their companies. Payroll is always the biggest issue. It's always likely the largest piece of of a budget for a company. Mm-hmm. When companies were getting money from the government during the pandemic, that was helping pad that a bit and um, helping the employer have more flexibility on salary levels. Okay, now that money is gone. What are employers saying about salary levels? Many of them who went up to help p- people during the pandemic have brought their salary levels down. That's not gonna help
0: no that's not going to help and i think what we're seeing is businesses really rethinking how the work gets done how many people do i actually have to, to to have on board to get this work done i was listening to a very interesting conversation on npr on the drive over here and they were talking about call centers and you know bots and and, and interacting with websites to get information and you know the lament from many you know people in that uh, that are customers are saying you know i'm having to wait online for, you know, it's, it's, we're all hearing, you know, we have, you know, extraordinarily long wait times, you know, when we call in. Mm -hmm. So what they were saying is really rethinking how that work gets done. uh, They, they want to make sure that a a bot or someone can answer a question like, where do I go to pay my bill? Or, um, you know, what's my actual due date? Where if they have more complex issues, giving the control to the customer to say, I don't want a bot, you know, I want to be able to talk to an actual live person. So I think, we're seeing more of that in the business world where it's like, what can I do through AI? What can I do through um, other you know other ways of getting business done and who who really needs to be here and what roles really need to be filled? So I think we might see, I'm hoping that it's not just lowering the salary because I think that causes a whole lot of other ills back to transportation and childcare and and rent payments. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe rethinking like how the work gets done, how it gets delivered, where can AI pay, play a part here?
2: You know, it, it, we I have this funny story and it goes back several years. But um, artificial intelligence can work for you and it can work That's against true. you. We can we we'll, we will have some conversation today about um, the whole applicant process, the ta- uh, applicant tracking processes. Uh, one of the things I've always said to employers, if you create some kind of technology for customers to use or uh, potential applicants to use or what, try it yourself because it likely doesn't work. And it certainly is not going to work the way you want. So if you go into a fast food restaurant and they want you to, you know, do your order online before you get to, to pay, um, there's a line to get to do that electronic and so i just walk around that line and go to the clerk and put my order in and you're like really yeah. how is this making it better
0: yeah i know that's a that's an excellent point point. and i was in a conversation recently with a company that was trying to find roofers and they're a, they're a construction you know building company and you know one of the things that they realized was their in their application process, their online application process, was making everybody who worked for the company, regardless if you're up on the roof putting shingles down or you're, you know, sitting, you know, in the accounting office, go through the same application. So some of the questions that were being asked, you know, they they had this epiphany of why why do am I asking someone who's going to be a roofer, you know, some of these questions that I would also be asking someone in a different role, and really said, is that really necessary, and you know. Do, is, it comp, is there something we can do in the competency-based space, you know, to have someone prove that they can do the job that, they're, that we're asking them to do? So that was kind of a, a really interesting moment for me because I thought, yeah, how many of us are going through, I had the personal experience myself with my former employer m- moving from a role um, to a different role. And I'd been with that employer for 15 years and I still had to go through the application process as if I right. was someone who had never you know, been in that company so thinking about it to your point would you want to go through this process you know would you want to be the applicant who's having exactly. to do this no exactly I, when one
2: of the large uh, organizations here in town was having trouble finding people and then but my clients were calling and saying I can't get through their system I can't get through the their online system can I just send them my resume and I'm like well Yeah, but you're still going to have to go through the system. So I tried doing it myself, and I called our contact there, who was a a director of of HR, and I said, "I have three college degrees, and I cannot do your your online application system." So how do you expect caregivers who have barely out of high school, let alone gone to college, understand what you're asking them? Um, And her answer, which I thought was also interesting, when the system was chosen for that organization, the technology folks picked it, the HR folks had nothing to do with choosing which system. Now, I think that's gotten better. But again, it goes to the notion of don't assume because you're using technology, the technology is going to give you what you actually are hoping what you've paid for it to give you. Um, What's the old saying about technology? You know, garbage in, garbage out. All right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's go back to what you mentioned earlier about, you know, the hiring process and the abundance of special populations, you know, really focusing on and targeting the um, candidates that are more likely to be immigrants, non-English speakers, older adults, minority members, tons and tons of different special, you know, groups that we don't really think about. Um, What are the barriers that must be addressed for an employer to, to reach them?
0: No, that's that's a great question, Brett. Um, I think, you know, some of the ones that we mentioned, you know, I'll I'll use the refugee and immigrant population for a a, a minute, you know, certainly transportation, you know, a lot of people who are new here, especially as immigrants don't have a driver's license, Um, they may not have access to an automobile. Um, They, um, you know, childcare sometimes can be a real issue, too, because it's an issue for everyone. And if I'm brand new, trying to navigate a new a new space, a new landscape in addition to that, obviously, language um, can be a, a significant barrier. And you know, I I just have to applaud. We have some, Business members in the community who've really done great work in that space. So I'll I'll give a shout out to our friends at Amerisource Bergen and Frank Descenzo, who's the uh, director of operations there. They're in Lockbourne Distribution Center. They move life-saving pharmaceuticals like insulin. So if I don't have, he doesn't have people to move the drugs to the end user, there can be catastrophic results. So Frank came to us at the chamber and you know, we connected him to Jewish Family Services and to Chris, Community Refugee Mm -hmm. and Immigration Services. And together what Frank has done with those agencies, it's really about making those connections with those agencies that have the trust of of the the communities they serve. And what Frank did was he asked the question, like what would it take? And he realized that things as basic as changing a shift so there were a lot of women that came forward from the refugee and immigrant population uh, to work at Lock, or at, Lockbourne at Amerisource Bergen. And they were struggling with the eight o'clock start time because getting kiddos on the school bus. Mm-hmm. So Frank changed it to 830 and suddenly that problem was resolved. He um, realized that. It's it can be a real challenge for um, again back to that time period. He went from a ten day from the interview to three days from to, to, to offering someone the job. So back to that challenge of can people afford to go that long without a paycheck? So he's he's resolved that. He's done things like that that are really answering how to, you know, they're solving a barrier. He's done, he's gone above and beyond though. The other things that he's done is when you walk in the door of a Marisaurus you see a flag of every nation that's represented on the floor. So when someone walks in, they either recognize they belong there because there are other folks here, or they can't wait to say, can you put up my flag too? So he's also, instead of pizza in the break room on Fridays, we've got a large Nepali Bhutanese community. Let's bring in food from the restaurants that, that that you prefer, so he's changing culture at the same time. So I think we just have to be creative, and we have to be more, again, employee centric. We're in that market right now. We can't sit back and and not change. And
1: what you just gave as examples are so easy to do. Oh my it's, gosh. Just, it's just recognizing, and sometimes the recognition is the hardest part. Absolutely. Implementation is like, well, if that's the problem, half hour difference, start at eight thirty.
0: Yeah. I right. mean, bottom
1: line, I mean, so it it it, it is the recognition problem. It, it
0: really is and it starts with asking the question. So sometimes a business might go, "Oh, well, you you're not coming in. Well, let me just give you $8 more an hour or let me We're trying to figure out what is the problem without mm-hmm. saying, you know, what would it take to keep you here cuz we want you here." Right. And that it's the listening.
2: Um and what I loved about your example too, Frank asked the chamber for information, help, and assistance. The chamber's an incredible resource. And it doesn't have to be just the Columbus Chamber. There are local chambers all over Central Ohio, and they're all, if they can't help you, they know who, who will be able to help you. There are resources out there to help employers um, nonprofit organizations, government offices. We used to be housed near the OOD folks, mm-hmm. State of Ohio, the uh, Opportunities for Ohioans with Disabilities. They have programs for employers to help you. If your person has is, is sight impaired, they can bring in equipment to help that person. There are things that can be done. Um, but you have to be willing to ask the question, willing to listen to the answers and willing to be creative and um, try to make those little tiny adjustments because it's not always just throwing money at something.
0: Well, absolutely. And it's not that people are going to say, no, I don't want extra money. But the reality is if I don't have child care, you could pay me whatever per hour. I'm not going to be able to make it to the job. Right. So I just really, I, I'm seeing more and more of a focus on culture. And like I said, either it's become intentional on, be- on behalf of the employers Or they're changing culture kind of as a byproduct just by, you know, asking those questions and changing some of the ways that they're doing business.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think also the term culture, uh, at least I have been thinking of it in, in such a bigger scope than what you've described. But those little pieces do change a culture. It's not that, okay, we need to change everything in here, change the culture. So you're just doing it bit by bit and all of a sudden you're becoming representative of your community and it, it, just looking at the word culture a little bit differently.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, when, again, in this particular marketplace, when employees, job seekers have um, have choices, they're looking for that. They're wow. out looking at your website before they even decide to make an application. They're going to look to see, you know, what does your website look like? What do you say you value? Do you talk about things where you've struggled and how you've overcome them? Because that that vulnerable um, you know, orientation uh, to to the world um, is resonating with people.
2: What what do the pictures look like that are on your website? Hundred percent. We we dealt with that with older adults all the time. You know, and if an employer only has eighteen year olds on their website, no older adult is going to think they're going to be welcome.
0: Yeah, you, you know, a lot of companies have uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, which is which is fantastic. We do at the chamber as well. And I read an article recently that. Uh, 66 percent of CEOs um, that have have started a DEI program um, or 60 I'm sorry 66 percent of CEOs that this particular magazine interviewed had started a DEI program of that 66 percent only eight percent considered an older workforce as part of a diversity equity and inclusion um, initiative it was focused on other things that you know reflect diversity so yes to your point you know our Are older people represented? Am I seeing someone who, um, you know, may be a part of the OOD community on on the website? Um, That's important. That's important to people. And you're probably losing people you don't even know you're losing because of the way you're showing up either on the website or or in your marketing material. Kelly,
2: that was a great example of bringing in new clients. Have you um, talked to employers and found some ideas, best practices for retaining their,
0: their employees? Yeah. So, you know, the question I think everyone is asking, and when I say everyone, now I'm referring to the job seeker and the employee. They're asking this as early as the interview. What are my opportunities for growth and development with your organization? Mm-hmm. So retention, you know, when we think about retaining th- this hard-won employee that we have because it took us a while to get them, you know, they really want to know how are you going to help me grow and develop? And uh, we we had an event uh, last week about culture in the workplace, and we were talking about asking the question to the employee: What do you like? What do you want to do? Um, where do you see yourself? How do you want to grow? And then you look at your business needs, and where do those things intersect? So it's not that we can't find a place for people that are currently working with us. We want to be able to figure out like what do we need as a company and how do we help that person get there if that's really what they want. Because right. sometimes we make the assumption that everyone that comes in here wants some sort of upward, you know, trajectory. That's not always the case. Um, but if it is, you know, what are their ultimate goals and how does that support ours? And connecting to the, the great educational resources we have in the community is good too for upskilling and continued growth.
1: Yeah. Well, regardless of what it's called, we've heard the terms quiet quitting or acting your wage, it is difficult (laughs) to engage individuals when the workload just doesn't stop and increasing salaries are just not possible. How do employers stop this train wreck from derailing their business?
0: Oh, my gosh. Check in, check in, check in, you know, talk to your people, you know, whether it's asking that question, how are you doing? You know, what what do you need from me? Am I serving you as your employer in a way that I need to to be serving you? Am I giving you everything you need in order to be successful? And sometimes as employers, we shy away from that because maybe we kind of have a feeling it's not a good question to ask, but I would encourage people, even if you think you might get not the best answer you're going to get information that you might be able to solve a problem that breaks my heart when I read those things about the the you know the silent the resignation the quiet quitting and it's it's we have an opportunity to engage people to ask them the question how are you doing what can I do to make your your work experience a better one yeah. and I,
1: I could see as a small business as well too and again small being maybe it's five employees or whatever I, I think employees want to know where the company's going to. And maybe understanding why the workload's becoming a little bit heavier, heavier. What's the timeline of when this will be taken off my plate? Are you hiring more people to help out down the road when we can, you know, again, not necessarily pinning you to the wall that, hey, you said last month we're going to do this, but I think everybody kind of wants to know where's the company going? How is, Mm -hmm. how is this, you know, workload that now is asked of me, how long is it going to last?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, and I know this is easier to say sometimes than to do but you know really be honest with people you know if this is the pace this is the pace and mm. you know if I can't do anything about it that tell people the truth whether it's in the interview phase or you know to your point I've got an incumbent worker who's going you know we've been told it's going to slow down for the last 6 months and we're still you know chugging along here and you know it's it's a challenge but if we if we aren't honest with people and we don't you know kind of share what the reality is, I think that's where we run into a lot of trouble.
2: It would seem to me that if the employer and the employees have an open communication line, um, it's not always going to be perfect on either side, but at least a level of understanding that those employees are going to tell their friends, hey, I work for a great person, Mm -hmm. and that's going to bring in new talent. So Mm -hmm. there's an advantage to an employer being willing to listen and try to, to accommodate the people that they have, knowing there's potential for new new folks coming through.
0: I agree 100%. You know, I think that, that communication, that trust that's built, and, you know, it used to be when I first started in the world of work, you know, decades ago, you know, we were, we were discouraged from talking about things in the office. We were mm-hmm. discouraged about, you know, sharing our concerns or, you know, or asking for help. Asking for help was looked at as a weakness, and we still have kind of some residual of that thinking, and I... What I have come to realize is both as an employee myself and as someone who helps employers, when leaders can share their own experience, when they can be vulnerable, when they can say, maybe, hey, we messed up on that. You know, maybe I shouldn't have had you working like seven straight days, you know, two weeks in a row. Um, This is how we're going to change. This is how we're going to do it differently, but do it honestly. I think, you know, that vulnerability of saying, I don't always know all the answers, I'm working at this, too. We're in this together. We're better together. You know how that that's that's how I think you start to build that kind of I don't want to call it loyalty because I I really don't even like that phrase anymore. I don't feel like we should have people just feel like they should stay someplace out of a sense of loyalty. You know, we we should be developing better relationships through communication and honesty Mm -hmm. and leading with vulnerability.
2: Kelly's getting out her crystal ball (laughs) and telling us what is 2023 going to bring.
0: Oh, wow. I think we're going to see a continuation of businesses really reevaluating the workplace and, and 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 their workforce. I think we're seeing more businesses, you know I shared the story of AmeriSourceberg. and I think we're seeing more businesses moving that direction towards employee centric. Practices and hiring. In fact, I probably a couple times a month will have a, bus- a business or a chamber member reach out and say, "I heard this story about this guy down at Lockbourne. Can you connect us? Because we want to learn more." So I think where that leads me to the, the the next thing, I think we're seeing businesses who maybe in the past didn't want to share with one another, kind of collaborate because we have to, right? We have to figure out like how to resolve some of these issues together. So an example of that might be, you know, businesses that are located, you know, close by one another working together to resolve a transportation issue or coming up with a way to, you know, incentivize uh, childcare um, so that that's, you know, something that um, they can come up with together because maybe we're just down the block from one another and it's 4 mm-hmm. we're small businesses, but it's four or five of us and we can do more collaboratively than we could do individually. Right.
1: Yeah. There are a ton of programs and services available to both job seekers and employers such as government training programs or nonprofit career and and job search services, do you have any recommendations? For our listeners and the value of such programs?
0: Yeah, I think, yes, there are a lot of them. And we are blessed in this area to have so many. I think from an employer perspective, it's always great to see things like TechCred, which is uh, training resources for businesses. It's actually managed out of the Governor's Office of Workforce Transformation. So this is where a business can say, I've got I've got a worker already on staff, or I'm ready to hire somebody, and but they need a skill. We talked about a skill gap. There are certificates and trainings out there through local providers that that skill gap can be um, addressed, and the person can get the the training that they need. So that's one. I think TechCred, again that's a state program. You know, I mentioned Jewish Family Services and Chris for the refugee and immigrant communities. You know, they have great uh, training programs for those communities that they serve. But really, also lean into your um, to your local career tech ed offices as well. I mentioned OTCs, Ohio Technical Centers. If you're an adult and you're looking to either get back into the world of work, or this is your, you know, first foray into it, there's a lot of training that's available that is um, Pell eligible. So a lot of folks don't know mm-hmm. that adult ed, if it's six hundred hours or more of a program, a person can get Pell grants, just like if they're going to a college or university. So there are lots of resources, I think, locally that that can help with that.
2: And and we're going to have some in- information um, included in our show notes because there are uh, your local libraries have oh, yes. lots and lots of information. Columbus, um, the Columbus Public Library has uh, free Coursera courses, mm-hmm. which is normally there's a fee, and they're thousands of courses. The other thing too to remember for job applicants is your Ohio Means Jobs website and go in there and create your profile. There's training online that you can yes. take advantage of as well as uh, going to your local job center and getting information and um, either workshops or uh, help with from one of the uh, career counselors there. So for applicants and for employers, there are places to go and make those connections. And employers, too, think about working with the job centers in terms of, of um, small individualized uh, hiring events. To help because their information goes out all over the state. So there are opportunities there.
0: It does. And here in Franklin County, Franklin County, Ohio Means Jobs Office over at 1111 East Broad Street is a perfect example of serving those job seekers and helping them resolve barriers and get training and resumes ready. And they invite employers in to kind of be, you know, let's meet, let's meet together. Let's have the job seekers and the employers together. So again, you know, utilize those resources They're They're Right. right here. And,
2: and we are really lucky in Ohio and in Central Ohio having a lot of resources. But if you're someplace else, mm. you're listening to this podcast in someplace else, the the organizations that we're talking at, about at the government level are all over the country. And we will also have the connections yes. to uh, whichever of your uh, labor agencies for your state um, are connected to, to that. So there are places to go. For information mm-hmm. that employers need in terms of their, um, particularly in uh, terms of their recruiting, definitely. So, okay. Um, you know, Kelly, we always we always say this with everybody: the, the the time just flies by in our conversation. And you've given us so much information. But last words of wisdom for both our employers and job seekers.
0: Oh gosh, um, you know, it's been the theme, I guess, of our conversation: is is be curious, ask the questions. You know, if you're an employer and you're trying to figure out you know, what it takes to bring someone on board, what it takes to keep someone, ask them, ask the questions. And if you are, you know, a job seeker and you're not sure if this is the role for you or the company for you or where you want to apply, you know, ask the questions, not just of the employer, but of other people that work there, you know, of other people in the community. We have all sorts of resources like Glassdoor and everything else that's out there, you know, really do some research. So I'd say continue to be curious and from that curiosity, listen and 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 learn.
1: Thanks to Kelly Fuller from the Columbus Chamber of Commerce for being with us today. Listeners, thank you for being part of the program too. Don't forget to check out our show notes for contact information and resources that we are going to be talking about and have talked about in this podcast and even more. That's going to be on our website as well at lookingforwardourway.com. And we look forward to hearing your feedback on this and any of our other podcast episodes.